Good morning, loves, and welcome to the Self-Healing Podcast, a podcast helping you thrive through your healing journey. I am Lue, and I'm your guide through this journey. Follow me on Instagram on L-L-A-L-A-L-O-E to get daily affirmations, meditations, DIYs, body positivity, and so much more. Today's episode is going to be all about the mind and its science and psychology. Here it's calling again life to my face. Okay, so let's dive into the science and psychology of the mind. But first we need to understand evolution. Evolution begins when species are forced to adapt to environmental factors, and it usually happens by coincidence. From our biological parents, we inherit DNA strings, 50% from each parent. Some of the DNA goes back generations and what genes you get is not all the same ones as your potential siblings. If it would be, we would be copies. In our DNA strings, mutations often occur, making you inherit almost the same gene as in your parents' DNA string, but not exactly. To be precise, mutations are changes in the cell's genetical material, most often in the DNA, but it also occurs in the RNA. Mutation, or mutatio in Latin, actually means change. Maybe your parent was of average height, but a mutation in your DNA string makes you taller. If being tall turns out to be beneficial for your survival, then the mutated DNA will maybe be inherited by your potential children, and their children, and so it goes. If it turns out to be really beneficial, then all of our species will grow taller over a large time span. Exactly as a giraffe's neck. Did you know that in the 17th and 18th century, giraffe's necks were way shorter? And there are a lot of theories to why. Some scientists believe that the acacia trees have grown taller due to the changing weathers as climate change has changed the conditions for the acacia tree's survival, and that that led to giraffes growing taller necks to adapt and keep up with the height of the acacia trees and its now higher hanging fruits. Another explanation is that a longer neck makes it easier to swing the neck and thereby increase the force of the thick skull hitting another giraffe while competing for mating opportunities, making some scientists claim that the long necks are purely for sexual purposes. Some scientists claim that the reasons are a combination between both of the former, and some claim that none of the former are a valid explanation at all. This is a simplified demonstration of how complex the nature of evolution and science can be, and the most likely cause is that a lot of factors and circumstances have played a part why it was evolutionary beneficial for giraffes to grow longer necks. Have you ever thought about how insanely hard it must be to pump enough blood all the way up to their brain? In that case, you are completely right. They have one of the most extreme blood pressures in all of the animal kingdom. It is the same way with the evolution of both our bodies and the human mind. 
there are a lot of pieces missing for us to be able to describe the whole reason for how our evolution has taken place and all of the circumstances that led up to it and its ever-shifting directions. But how we inherit DNA and how and why mutations occur is the most important part. For example, both diagnoses like ADHD, autism and ADD, or characteristic traits like narcissism, HSP or synesthesia among so many others, are created by mutations. Blue eyes is a mutation that is believed to have occurred somewhere between 6,000 and 10,000 years ago and happened due to a genetic variation in the gene called OCA2. The first blue-eyed person is believed to have been born in Europe. Being born without wisdom teeth is a mutation that most likely occurred in China about 350,000 years ago. And today 40% of people with Asian ethnicity have three or less wisdom teeth. In the future, it is likely that humans won't develop wisdom teeth at all, as they are no longer necessary. Have you ever wondered why some have brown hair and red beard? Red hair is a mutation in the gene MC1R. If a person gets this gene from only one of their parents, they will most likely not get red hair on their head, but are very likely to develop red body hair, pubical hair or facial hair. It is the same thing with lactose tolerance. It occurred in Turkey around the time where humans started keeping kettle, about 10,000 years ago. All of these considered to be supernormal things are mutations. Growing up I thought mutations sounded kind of scary, but studying biology it is clear that mutations are crucial for the survival of the species. The humankind seems to have taken its first steps near the Zambezi River in northern Botswana, probably due to mutations making our bodies able to walk. Did you know that it was most likely someone with ADHD that made the human race first cross over the land bridge from Africa to search for new grounds on a new continent? ADHD has been one of the biggest catalysts in moving populations and trying new things. Asperger's and autism has been crucial for the industrial and technological revolution. And the most highly sensitive individuals in all types of species are crucial for ensuring the survival of the herds, groups and tribes by being super observant, emotionally intelligent and intuitive. So diversity is crucial both biologically and socially. The so-called modern society still holds on to views set long before we even knew about evolution, survival of the fittest and our diverse biology even within the human race. And it is still a problem getting our healthcare system to acknowledge this. Even to acknowledge mental health. It is getting better rapidly now, but mental health existing is still something that the medical development should have taken into account long ago. Our minds are diverse, our bodies are diverse, our experiences and how we experience wellness as well as diseases, injuries and traumas are diverse. So, the next time a healthcare professional tells you to lose weight, to heal a postpartum depression instead of going to therapy, that your trauma is in fact not that bad, writes overweight in your medical journal even though your BMI says underweight 
or says that nothing is wrong with you when you are experiencing radical symptoms that you know is not common for your body, don't take it to heart. The healthcare system is not keeping up with the social changes or even the science it is based upon at times. You know your body, you know its signals and how your body works in different situations and above all, trust that. So, let's talk about the mind. In the same way as I as a synesthetic can't understand how experiencing the world without synesthesia is, a person without it can't possibly understand how experiencing the world with synesthesia really is. It is harder to imagine something that we never have experienced than imagine it as someone who has similar experiences, in the same way that it is easier to imagine how it is to be blind by simply closing our eyes than it is to imagine how colors look if you've never seen them. And this is a common thing that we have to be really cautious and careful with while speaking about our experiences. A person who haven't experienced similar things to you will have a way easier time saying that what you are experiencing isn't real. Our understanding and imagination widens as we experience more things. Someone telling you that your experiences aren't real, just haven't had the same experiences. And that is in many ways a loss on their part. Not something that needs to make you question your own experience. For example, did you know that some people can't hear their voice inside their head? It is believed to be around 15-20% to of the world's human population, meaning as many as there are highly sensitive people percent-wise. Interesting, right? I have really vivid conversations with myself inside my head. I can hear other people's voices and recall their usual usage of words as clear as if there was a recording playing of them saying it. I can hear whatever sound I want and that is also how I create music. The sound landscape is all in my head before I get it out into the world in the shape of guitar chords or melodies or logic tracks. So, now we have established that it is common to not be able to hear your own voice in your head, and certainly not other people's. And music... Well, some people can only hear one melody at a time in their mind, while others have a whole nuanced symphony playing all kinds of octaves and polyrhythmics, all at once in theirs. I can imagine things vividly. I dream in pictures, I see in pictures, I imagine in pictures. I can also juggle mind charts and maps. I have folders and recorded sequences stored. And it is all extremely normal for me, because that is how I grew up. It has always been this way for me, and this is my natural way of thinking. But it is also common to not being able to see pictures at all. Not having an inner monologue or see pictures in your mind is linked to a condition called aphantasia. In conclusion meaning blindness of the mind's eye. And it represents not being able to visualize, speak or feel inside your own mind. So when we say, please think before you speak. That is not something that all people are even biologically able to do. If you can't rehearse a conversation in your head, how would you be able to hear what it would sound like if you said it out loud before you say it? You can't, 
So we need to be more mindful about people's diversities. Being a hypersensitive dyslectic synesthete means that I can feel everything, see everything, hear, smell and experience everything inside my mind as clear as if it was happening at this moment. That gives me the ability to have a better memory both physically and mentally. I can twist and turn every single thing because one of the hidden talents of dyslexia is that we can see everything in 3D in our minds. That is why dyslectic people mix up B and D or P because they are all the same letter seen from different directions. That is also why we are great builders and have a really creative side, most of us. Because building a chair is really easy when you can imagine everything in 3D. I twist and turn every single object I see in my mind until I get how it looks from all sides so that I can potentially recreate it if I need to. That is a survival skill, so when I am building a chair or decorating a room in my own mind or measure without a tape measure, and still get it completely right while the person next to me really struggles. I need to remember our diversity and be kind about it. Not all people are built the same, have the same features, survival skills or even remotely the same biology in this matter. And it's not about flaws or talents. Let's just get rid of the labels here because none of it is better or worse than anything else. It's all part of the human experience and the human experience is diverse as we are diverse. Knowing this, have you ever judged yourself based on how you can't handle a situation in the same way as someone else does? And have you ever judged someone else in the same way? When we feel like we are in one way or another not similar to the people around us, we experience a small mental meltdown and personal crisis where we start doubting our own capacity and how useful we are as individuals in our group. And that, my friends, is the ego kicking in, as mentioned in the pre-podcast episode 3, People's Perception of You. The ego's only mission is to keep us in the group, and for the ego, the most scary thing ever is standing out and potentially being judged. Without a thought of how it's not at all dangerous or scary being judged or disliked. What is in fact dangerous and scary for the body and mind today is this exact thought and not the actual event that we imagine potentially happening. If our ego could decide, the only accomplishment in our life we would make would be to be the perfect copy of everyone else without any own thoughts, feelings or unique traits at all. The ego doesn't give a shit about if you're happy or not. It just wants to fit in. In the same way that the ego freaks out every single time we are different to other people, it feels more secure when other people are daring to stand out. Or it will judge them because the ego feels safer with other people being judged than you being judged. So the next time you feel either of these feelings, fact check your ego to calm it down. Being yourself is going to take you wonderful places. 
Being different increases your chance of making big money as a mind that dares to think outside the box will invent, create new ways and products and open new doors. Other people being different than you is neither a threat to you or them. You judging yourself or someone else will result in your body having to deal with negative emotions and hormones that disrupts your body's harmony. So the next time your ego awakens in this situation, observe it objectively. If there even is such a thing as right-brained or left-brained, which there is a lot of debate about scientifically, as there are proofs supporting both sides, then not being able to hear your voice in your mind is common in people who are identifying as right-brained, while people who can imagine everything vividly are more often identifying with being left-brained. Studies have shown that being good at math and not having an inner dialogue is somehow connected. And why, you may ask? The scientific world has no idea whatsoever yet, except that people on the right corner of the diagram synapses and imagination differs from people on the left side of the diagram. However, as usual, most highly sensitives can't really identify with either as our traits go over the borders, I guess making us just brained. Or middle-brained, or both, exactly as with the concept of extroverts and introverts. We happen to be somewhere in the middle, as well as being both at the same time as ambiverts. So, I guess we'll just stick with brained then, until further notice. This concept isn't covering the complexities at all, but let's just hope that science clears that out for us in the near future. The attempts to understand the human mind is rapidly providing us with more answers, but still there is a lot of questions left unanswered. But part of the healing journey is to 1. Understand your own diversity and that you are nothing like anyone else to really honor who you are and why. And the most important part about knowing yourself, in all of your uniqueness, is that when somebody has something bad to say about any of your unique traits, you can handle it with ease, because of all that you know about the topic. If they can't handle people being their diverse, unique selves, then that is their problem. Respond rather than react. 2. Feel more free with your own self-expression. All bodies work differently. All bodies are healthy and thriving at different weights and at different stages. Some bloom in pregnancy. Some feel like a half-rotten goo in the same stage. Some people love dressing themselves in vibrant colors while some feel dressed up in the same clothes. Some love makeup or jewelry or piercings and some feel best with naked skin. Your self-expression is only yours and no one else gets to decide how you thrive, operate in and experience this world. All of those things and so many more are totally up to you to decide, celebrate and honor. Let's together let go of all our judgment, doubts and shame.
and instead treat ourselves and others with curiosity and respect and show up as the best, most open and peaceful version of ourselves with this knowledge. Let's try to show up as our highest self. Thank you for listening to this episode and today I hope you really pamper yourself with adoration for your uniqueness. No one is like you and that is a superpower in itself. Have a great day guys. Bye!